Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. You know, I've been really thinking a lot lately and and considering the relationship we have with our planet and the soil. And as I learn more and more about, you know, things like our microbiome and the biome, and, you know, if you haven't listened to the episode I did with Zach Bush, it was just incredible, the perspective to see how we treat our planet and how... There's so many microorganisms working for us and how the mycelium network works. And if you haven't checked out any of Paul Stamets work, you know, he talks about how one of the largest living organisms on the planet is actually a mycelium network in the Pacific Northwest that is, I believe he said, over 600 football fields in size. So you think about that, like what we don't see that's below the earth that the soil is getting all these things into these nutrients into the food that we grow. And when we use things like glycosphate and AKA Roundup, when we use things like that, we are damaging the soil that we are trying to squeeze everything we can from mother nature. And we know in any relationship, when we try to suck it dry, when we try to squeeze it, when we try to take so much, we deplete it, we exhaust it, we damage it. Because there's not a mutuality. There's not a, you know, the earth gives to me, I give back to the earth. You know, and that's such a practice. And one I'm learning, you know, to this, to have more reverence for the planet, to, I have this desire, Kylie and I, to start to grow our own food. You can really feel the, the need for us to get back into community, to touch the land, to experience what it means to be in a dance with the earth. And it gives to us in so many ways. And, you know, in in the most ways, we are takers. And we do everything we can to maximize production, et cetera, et cetera. Not realizing the costs that we're making to ourselves, our health, and our planet. So recently I caught a documentary called Kiss the Ground. And I was just moved by it. It was so beautiful. And if you haven't watched the movie, The Big Little Farm, it's just incredible. It will move your heart. It will allow you to see what is possible when you do a dance with your land, when you actually start to have reverence back for the earth. And even if you live in a city, you can do that. You can gift back to the earth. And you have to check both of these out. Um, I reached out to Ryland Englehart, who is the executive director of Kiss the Ground, uh, which is a, an education and advocacy nonprofit that really focuses on this ability to bring back biodiversity into our soils, to actually grow food that is nutrient-dense, to do it in a dance with the land. And so I reached out to him, and he is the guest today that I'm so excited to share with you. He's created so many things. But before we begin, I have one ask. Wherever you listen to this, please subscribe to it so you don't miss it. If you can give it a five-star review and a written review, that is so helpful. And of course, share any episodes that you love. Tag me in the shares. I would love to see them. You know, this is such an important conversation because this is the conversation about how our children's children, or even our, if you don't have kids, how the future of humanity can exist and coexist rather than take. I wanted to take a quick break in this episode to talk to you about the greatest struggle that people have in dating, and that is asking the right questions. 
And not just the right questions, but asking hard questions, questions that determine if someone wants what you want, what you are, what your relationship status is, that that deepen vulnerability and intimacy. And ultimately, asking the right questions allows you to get to know someone on a deeper level, gets to know their values, get to know whether they're a good fit for you. Now, I recognize that when I get feedback on asking questions, people say, that's too hard to ask, or it's too soon to ask that, or whatever the excuse or thought or feeling or fear might be. And so I thought, shit, let me ask the hard questions. And that's why I created Create the Love Cards. Create the Love Cards is created with such intention for you to deepen your conversations on dating. And because of that, the deck, when you open it up, it fits two smartphones. So you can put your phone inside the box as you take the cards out so you can both be present. Now, if someone doesn't want to play, I'm like, swipe left. That's a red flag. Like, who doesn't want to play a game? Second, I've got it in four sections. So we've got four play Diving deeper, too much information, because would it be a deck from me if it didn't have TMI? And building chemistry. So there's four sections for you to explore the landscapes of one another and see if you're a good fit. If you want to have deeper conversations, if you want to take this deck of cards on your dates or on your date night, or you think this would be a good gift for a couple, then go to createthelove.com slash cards. I put them at a really accessible price of 30 bucks. And I can't wait for you to check them out. They've received rave reviews. People are loving them. I have actually one friend who took them out on its second date with someone that she was hitting it off with. And after she got the answers to the questions that the deck provided, she realized that this person was not a good fit and swiped left and now is in a relationship with someone she loves. So that's what dating is about is it's about filtering. And also my intention is to support you along that journey to not just finding the person that you want, but if you're with them, asking the questions that help create and deepen intimacy. So go to createthelove.com slash cards and grab a set now. So without further ado, I'm really excited to share this with you. Here is Ryland. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Today I have Ryland Inglehart, who is... I, you have a lot of things that you've done. So he is the producer and creator of Kiss the Ground, the film that really was the instigation of bringing you on here because I was so moved by the movie. But before I get into that, I was also moved by your food because I've eaten at Cafe Gratitude many, many times. And I have just discovered that you also founded Gracias Madre. And so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Glad you will be here. Well, and, and you know, like the premise of the podcast is to talk about relationship, you know, and and I say that under so many, we're in relationship with everything that is not us. And, you know, the relationship to the planet and the relationship to mother nature and our food and our animals and all these things has really been something that continues to be topical for me. And I think we don't have these conversations enough. So when I watched Kiss the Ground, I was just like, this is a conversation that needs to be happening all the time. So I'm just so grateful for the work that you do. And I know that you also have founded and run the not-for-profit Kiss the Ground too. So I'd love to hear a little bit about, first off, the inspiration for starting your restaurants, and then we could talk a bit about the film. Does that work? Yeah, that's great. Um, So yeah, so to 
paint a very fair and, and clear picture, uh, I, you know, Cafe Gratitude, Gracias Madre are two restaurants that have been around for almost gra- Cafe Gratitude 15 years, Gracias Madre 12 years. Uh, really, they're an expression of love and an expression of uh, service that came out of uh, my family. Me and my brother over the last 10 years have been running them in Southern California, but the original inception came from my father and stepmother in San Francisco back in 2004. And really the, the premise was they had just gotten married after, you know, having other relationships that didn't, didn't work and really wanted to give their lives to, you know, something that was meaningful and something that made a difference. And they had come through a lot of their own, you know, healing journeys, uh, spiritual teachers, gurus, and they, they started, they, they, they spent a year actually kind of in contemplation meditation about, um, how, what, what they could create that would be of most, um, meaning and contribution. And the, absurd thing that came back in that listening and sort of that reflection space was uh the creation of a uh a board game uh oh wow the, the abounding river board game um <laughs> wow that wasn't the answer i was expecting i'm like oh a board game okay cool um and really that that board game was all about the facilitation of conversations that would bring people into their hearts, bring people into vulnerability, into, you know, telling the truth about where maybe they're stuck or um, confronted or challenged or constricted or in fear and, and bringing them into spaces of gratitude, uh, abundance, freedom, love, acceptance, uh, generosity. And so that actually became the uh, blueprint and the, um, the, the, the original Cafe Gratitudes were actually transformational gaming parlors for the game. So wow. the Cafe Gratitude was the home of the abounding river board game, um, which lived on every table. And the game was, uh, again, it w- and I actually played a role within the company for a while, which was called the Game Meister. And the role was to just facilitate, essentially be like a, uh, a transformational uh, facilitator that was serving at a table side venue. And, and those that have been to Cafe Gratitude in more recent years, you know, can see some of the threads and the, the aspects of the game that have been woven more into just the whole experience of the restaurant where, you know, to order food, you, you know, affirm yourself with an affirmation to, um, you know, as part of our service, we have a question of the day, um, which is a a prompt, which is, you know, at at this point has become, you know, somewhat common in, you know, gatherings, convenings, there'll be questions that will prompt. Um, But when we started this 15 years ago, it was pretty radical that um, someone would come in and say, you know, I'll I'll take the tacos. And we'd say, okay, to say, to order the tacos here, you get to say, I am transformed. And then when I deliver it to you, I, I will say that you are transformed. And then I'm going to ask you a question of the day, which is, you know, something that could be, you know, what moves you from your head to your heart? You know, what are you letting go of today? 
what brings you uh, joy. And essentially, you know, it, it, it kind of broke the third wall of, um, you know, commerce and this, you know, I thought this was just a transaction of you were selling yeah. food and we were kind of breaking the third wall of, can we engage people in transformational uh, conversations, inquiries, um, or expansion of awareness that um, could, you know, transform culture and really with a, with a, with a, with a goal of creating more gratitude um, and the practice of gratitude in, in our more pop, popular culture. And again, gratitude is not something new, but it's often forgotten, you know, as, as a practice, as a, as a, as a, um, and of course, in the last 15 years, the health and wellness space and, you know, all, you know, all, all the different modalities of self-care and self-empowerment and personal growth and transformation and, um, you know, all the threads that have, you know, it's, it's more common as, you know, in, in, in our, in our daily conversations or, uh, daily practices, but at the time it was still, um, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was quite groundbreaking. Oh yeah. It's total pioneering, you know, like now, you know, that the idea of a gratitude journal or something like that is, oh yeah, we've all maybe heard of those things, but I, I know the first time I went to Cafe Gratitude and I ha had to order with an affirmation. When I say had to, I got to order with an affirmation. And I remember, I forget which one I ordered, but it, you know, when you say ordering tacos and saying I am transformed, I feel that way when I eat tacos. So I really love that that's the, you know, maybe the affirmation that comes with it. And that people get to practice things they've never done. It might feel uh, out of place at first, but that's the whole point is it is meant to feel uh, uncomfortable if you don't practice it, that you're like shifting yourself in a different way and for your restaurant to be inviting that in just a subtle, you know, way that might even feel unconscious that, hey, if that's how it works, it doesn't really matter. The fact that it's that it works is is what makes sense. Yeah, it, it really was opening up new conversations uh, that without you know without the prompting most likely wouldn't exist uh you know yeah. we, you know we have an opportunity as businesses to essentially use our our uh product and use our service as a way to catalyze something and what are we going to catalyze with that and we were taking on the the, the job of um you know catalyzing health through healthy food but also that health is not just um, what we put in our mouths. It's actually what comes out of our mouths, what we put in our minds. And so what, what conversations are we having? And if we could encourage um, gratitude and conversations of uh, acceptance and love and self-worth and generosity and abundance into uh, the, the conversation uh, that we're having with our, with our guests, um, that could be a transformative and powerful uh, mission, and it, and, it, and it has been, and it's been an, an extraordinary journey of 15 years of interacting with, you know, millions of people, not me personally, but the, the brand and feeding people, you know, delicious, healthy, plant-based food, um, but also feeding people, reflecting that they're wonderful, that they're, that they're um, beautiful, that they're kind, that they're joyful, that they're um, whole. And so we always like to walk the line of, you know, pushing people's buttons uh, in a loving way with not taking ourselves too seriously, 
but taking ourselves um, sincerely to where mm-hmm. there was, a, and there was a, a true purpose and intention behind what we were doing. Yeah, I know for me, the experience of foods that I'd never had plant-based and experience them being so delicious was a bit of a mind fuck for me. Like my brain had to orient around the fact that I wasn't eating meat in this dish, but it was incredibly delicious. So thank you for the paradigm shifting experience. And, you know, I, I the story of the origin, I, I can't believe it was, it was originally a, a placed around a board game. That's so cool. Like you never know where things are going to go. And that's such a, your um, mother and was it your stepfather? They must have been. Yeah. You know, like, what? This is amazing. This is awesome. This board game is going to change the world. And it really has in so many ways because it's led to the also the path of starting Gracias Madre. So do you want to share just a bit about where that came from? Because I think that's a cool origin story too. So, you know, we started Cafe Gratitude in 2004 in San Francisco and very, you know, we were, we were very, you know, as a family, we're, we're a little bit like, you know, naive go-getters of like, we can do this, but we don't know how it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, we, you know, we didn't even have a dishwasher, uh, our first day of our restaurant. We were like, oh, we'll do dishes between guests. And, you know, we had a 1400 square foot space in San Francisco. And, um, you know, as the business grew, and, you know, as, you know, we're restaurant business in California, San Francisco, you know, huge Latin population that gravitates to uh, restaurant jobs, um, cooks, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so within, you know, probably a year, 50% of our workforce was um, Latin employees, mostly from Mexico. And, um, you know, we just you know, when you're in a restaurant, many people who, who have worked in restaurants, it becomes your family and you become, you know, it just becomes your community. Many of our original uh, Latin employees were from a small town called Tortuga Turtle. Um, that was like a, a 10 family, small Pueblo town. And eight out of the 10 families in that town, all their kids worked at Cafe Gratitude. And so- wow. One of, one of them was named Pablo and he went back to get married and he invited us back to his hometown. It was a big deal, um, to get married. And he invited me and my, my, my folks to go and be there for his, for his wedding and see their town, um, that many of our employees were from. And so we, we made a trip of it and we went and visited families of, um, many of our employees, uh, at the time. And on that trip ended up at this wedding in Tortuga. We were just, so moved by the hospitality, the love, the service, you know, we were these sort of hippie, um, health nut San Francisco folks who, you know, were vegan, didn't, and, you know, they were just so graciously, yeah, accommodating and hospitable to us and our fussy food needs. Um, you know, we tried to be as, as not fussy as possible, but we're still pretty probably fussy. (laughs) And on that trip, we just, um, yeah, there had always been a desire and a passion about Mexican food and the, the flavor of Mexican cuisine being, you know, one of our favorite, favorite, you know, cuisines, um, but always desiring, you know, uh, no lard in the beans or no GMO corn or, uh, you know, plant-based or, 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 or vegan options. And so, 
we'd always desire like, oh, that'd be so amazing if there was like all organic vegan taqueria. And then on that trip, um, sort of falling in love with these families of the, the of the parents of our of, the, of their employees, um, and just being um, yeah inspired by that culture. We came on 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 the flight back from from Mexico City. Um, we had the thought, the impulse of "Gracias Madre," thank you, Mother, um, mm. as this um, tribute to that segment of our employees, their mothers, you know, Mexican cuisine that we love so much, our commitment to health and wellness, and even some of the original recipes were family recipes of our employees that, that cool. you know, ended up on the, the first menu. And so now we have we have one in San Francisco that opened in two thousand eight. Um, it won, you know, best new restaurant in San Francisco, uh, wow. eight or nine, uh, which is a big deal for a plant yeah. to ever do. Uh, and then we opened our second one in, uh, four, 13 or 14 in, in Los Angeles. Um, and so it's been there seven, eight years now. And, uh, it's, 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 it's phenomenal. It's, it's really delicious, contemporary, but, uh, traditional, uh, Mexican, you know, make our own tortillas from scratch from, uh, you know, stone masa, masa ground from making our own masa in house and making fresh tortillas. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's, it's for those that are living in Los Angeles, it's probably, it's become one of the, the hottest kind of patios and places to hang in Los Angeles. And also the, the bar program is pretty amazing. And actually there's just a, a brand new chef that's come into leadership over the last six months, a guy named Mario Alberto's uh, Mexican-American chef who's phenomenal, and he's really brought the food to the next level. So that's awesome. That's, that's gracias, Madre. And again, you know, the, the, I think we, we as a family have used businesses to tell stories and to um, communicate messages. And gracias, Madre. Thank you, Mother. Uh, thank you, Mother Earth. Thank you to, you know, expressing our gratitude to our, to our mothers. Um, and then cafe gratitude, you know, a place to eat healthy food. Um, but also think healthy thoughts and give, give thanks. And really, um, at a, at a philosophical level, you know, when we're when we're grateful that we, we really see that, you know, human beings are, we're in a tricky predicament in that, you know, we, we've been branded, and we live out this prophecy of consumer. Um, mm -hmm. We're just these pack men and women. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and, you know, there's a spiritual aspect to that consumption that like, you know, and I, I know you know this um, or to a degree and have your own version of it. But, you know, that we, uh, you know, there's this yearning for more, uh, a sense of, you know, how do I, how do I get to a feeling of wholeness? And, you know, that is outwardly expressed as, you know, our insatiability. And so gratitude, you know, even for a split second, when we're grateful, it really, uh, nows us and satiates that hungry ghost and brings us into the present moment of this aspirational trying to get to, uh, an experience of fullness and an experience of wholeness because we're just, we're bringing into our awareness what already is whole, what already is full. And so the more that we can bring people into that space of 
uh, wholeness, fullness, gratitude, that will we see the ripple effect having benefits uh, in every direction. And we wanted to have that be uh, what we were offering besides just, you know, healthy plant-based food. Yeah. I mean, I love that all, the thread of all your work is based on family, community, connection, and connection to self. Like that idea that the that in a moment of experiencing uh, gratitude that you are observing and experiencing your own wholeness, which I love how you said that. It really takes you out of the consumer-based mindset of constantly having to get things to complete yourself. And, you know, when I was watching kiss the ground. I, th I think one thing that has occurred, and I speak about this often, is that there's sort of an arrogance to human consciousness that once we have consciousness and this awareness that we are, that there's this idea that we are other, that we are different than animals, we're different than plants, we're different than the planet, not recognizing that we are pretty much the microbiome of the earth, you know, and in, in one fell swoop, we can be gone and the, the earth would thrive. You know, and, and I think in that what Kiss the Ground really, I think, did a beautiful job of of expressing is, is that when we get back into alignment and relationship, right relationship with the earth, we start to, we feel whole because we are treating this thing that we are part of with respect and admiration and reverence. And I, I think in a lot of ways, what makes us become consumers is the lack of reverence for the planet. So I love what you did. And I'd love to hear just a bit about like, for people who haven't seen the film, obviously, you must see it. So please watch it. But you know, they're going to get a taste of why it's important. And so where to come from? What was the intention? And you know, what might people get from it? Yeah, where it came from was, I would say, maybe, maybe my biggest aha awakening of my life around just a way forward i think you know from the from the perspective of arrogance i think uh i through my 20s was very you know kind of rah rah veganism sustainability you know conscious capitalism you know we're 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 doing we're we're doing the, the good fight we're leading the good fight and it brought me to new zealand it brought me to being part of a panel um, as an audience member of a, of a discussion called Can Human Beings Sustain Themselves on Planet Earth? You know, that conversation was a very uh, daunting, shocking, confronting conversation. Out of the six experts that were communicating, five out of the six said, you know, we human beings can't sustain ourselves on planet Earth. You know, just our consumptive nature and the way that we're operating, you know, it's it's already too late was what they were communicating. And speaking from, you know, the impact of acidification on the oceans and the loss of phytoplankton to, you know, the loss of, you know, old growth forests to, you know, the, the, the temperatures changing to, you know, the, the methane burps that are coming out of the you know, the, the, um, tundra in the, you know, northern parts of the, the globe, you know, all, all these things. And, you know, it was, it was, it was a confronting, powerful conversation that really was realer than I'd ever experienced before, uh, as far as people really telling the truth of where things were at. And 
the last person who spoke was a guy by the name of Graham Sait. And basically what he shared was, you know, what they're saying is true, but there's a, a blind spot in most of the world population who's looking at climate change and looking for solutions. And if we could see ourselves as part of nature and that we actually, um, the way that we manage land could actually be the greatest hopeful solution to reversing and balancing our climate and then describe the way photosynthesis worked and that we could take soil or we could take carbon that's in the atmosphere over 415 parts per million, you know, that's causing all this, you know, um, you know, weather events, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fires, uh, you know, droughts, downpours, all these different things that we can take that problem of excess carbon in the atmosphere and that we can draw it down and put it into the soil and actually heal our soils simultaneously. So taking a problem, Mm. making it a solution and that everyone who eats could participate in that um, movement or that revolution. And I was just like, it was like a, it was a spiritual epiphany. It was like, oh my God, I see the way that the circle, the bigger circle of life works for the first time in my life. And, you know, I thought I knew a lot about sustainability or environmentalism. And I just didn't, it was, it was my moment of getting that kind of holistic world view of how the carbon cycle, the water cycle works and really just saw the framework for oh, wow, this, there, there can be life on planet Earth seven generations forward because I can see how we can participate in the cycle of balance versus just mm. slowing down a freight train heading into a cliff or a wall. I just, I just couldn't, there, there was no cognition for a framework of you know, a, a success or a solution besides some kind of trite idea that technology is somehow going to save us. Yeah. You know, and I want to just pinpoint that this was a, 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 a revelation for me, but I would, uh, you know, I, I just want to assert and, and point to that the sort of indigenous worldview that has for years has been, um, you know, there's been so many different ways of, um, hey, the indigenous viewpoint is, is, imperative to be part of like the mainstream conversation that drives the way that you know we as a civilization move forward you know has never become more acute to relevant like like the the view of i am part of this system and my behavior in the system can either you know degrade the system to where i no longer have life or i can participate in a way that continues the regeneration and the continuation of life and that that is not can't be drawn into like just a carbon equivalent or a water equivalent you know it really is a you know a whole world view that i i can say i i have an, an ounce of um but there's there is cultures that still have intact lineages that really get this from a practical standpoint as well as from a philosophical spiritual standpoint and so, uh, you know, just want to, you know, one of the things that we missed in the movie, and I, I'm, I'm kind of 
intending to rectify and redeem is that we didn't we didn't make that connection and pay that homage and reverence of um, a cultures or cultures that really had this worldview and had this um, understanding and had these practices and you know for the fact of not wanting to appropriate the idea of like we discovered it as you know a white man and creating a film that um, in an environmental space which has naturally been a very uh, white male you know, dominated, you know, section of, um, society, um, or, or group or community and really, you know, the shift from conservation, which is kind of from that worldview of like nature, it needs to be separated from humans so that it can be safe. Cause if we interact with it, we damage it. Whereas mm-hmm. the, the evolution and the kind of the regenerative narrative and, you know, this more indigenous perspective of relationship to nature is one where we actively participate and actually enhance ecosystem function mm. based on our participation. You know, there's a beautiful video called How Wolves Change Rivers um, that show how a predator is a, a, can be a keystone species, is oftentimes a keystone species in an ecosystem. And even though that they are killing and thinning out you know, other species within that ecosystem, they're actually keeping it healthy and abundant um, versus get, getting um, out of balance. Um, and then, you know, ultimately systemically uh, degrading and, and dying. And so really, you know, that's the opportunity that humans can play on this planet as a keystone species. And we have a lot to learn from, you know, cultures that did that for 10,000 years as just their way of life. And that regenerative agriculture is, you know, it, it's bringing science and observation of nature, uh, you know, on the foundational knowledge and worldview that many cultures have been um, carrying for, for a long time. Yeah, it's really interesting that the learning that often we're doing, especially in as colonizers, is to learn indigenous practices and as you were saying you know it's like they are technologies they are uh processes but they're generally not new you know that they are understood ways of interacting with the land being in communion with the land seeing the land as being providing so there's gratitude in the exchange because you're part of the cycle and that's that part that i hope you know in kiss the ground what i love is how you you the film demonstrated this land that was not producing that was, you know, by dusty, you know, I, I don't know whether I like the soil wasn't healthy and then to watch as these things transform as, as the practice sort of the, the bringing in the processes start, you start to see the magic that earth just provides, you know, the organisms and the, I had to Google some words while I was watching it. Cause I'm like, I've never heard that word. What is that? And I was, I was learning as I was going, but can you say a little more about that of like, cause when I think about someone like myself who grew up in Alberta, which is like the Texas of Canada, very like starts at the mountains, but it's where the flat part begins. And so I grew up all around a lot of farming. My uncle's a farmer, you know, and when I look at the land, it very much all that land looks like the land that was transformed. And I'm curious as to uh, one, like, why is it so hard for people to, to, for farmers to adopt that when, 
you know, by the very evidence of the film, it massively increases production and the potential profitability of, of land too, which is often the driver for those things. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of barriers and I think the, the big starting barrier is worldview um, perspective that it, you know, it's production, broad scale agriculture. It's become so mechanized and the, the, it, it's really become like, how do you, you know, I just, I, I need to know, you know, what seed, you know, what chemical fertilizer, you know, and again, not to oversimplify it because farmers are heroes and I don't want any farmer to hear like what, um, but I, I think that in, in everything, you know, we've tried to, in the, in the spirit of progress and optimization and efficiency, you know, we, we, we created, you know, how to, you know, produce one crop, a lot of it in the most efficient way. And, you know, we, we won at that game. Like, you know, we, we, you know, in the, in the spirit of like the, the term, like feeding the world, we, we won at the game of producing lots of cheap, um, calories, but you know, what we have to essentially to not continue to make the same mistakes we do and repeat history. There's been a line, there's 20 and we, we cite this in the film. There's been 20 cited civilizations that have ended them, ended their civilization because they grew too big on the ecosystem that couldn't maintain fertility to produce the calories to serve that you know, that population and ultimately that population perished and that land became desert. That was once, you know, you know, some examples of, uh, you know, the middle East was called the fertile crescent. Um, and it was fertile. Um, the, the, uh, Sahara desert parts of that were the, the bread basket of, uh, the Roman empire. So, you know, we've been in many cases doing, agriculture in a way that is degenerative and ultimately turns the soil to dust and ultimately the civilization perishes that was living from that and now with the green revolution and you know the the scale of which we're you know doing agriculture you know we're now creating massive amounts of erosion loss of soil carbon you know putting chemicals into our water, the scale and the impact of our degrading our soils is faster um, and more intense than it ever has before. Cause the amount basically we're in a vicious cycle of every year without fail, we need to put on more and more chemical fertilizers, insecticides, fungicides year after year. And ultimately the yields um, are continuing to going, going down. And so, you know, it's the definition of unsustainable and, you know, the United Nations cited a report that we have 60 harvests left that came out five years ago. So 55 harvests left. Wow. And so what's happened, what, what we're doing isn't working, even though it worked to a degree. So it really is a, a mental mind shift that we have to produce food that's not undermining uh, our ecological health and human health. And I think, you know, we, we started to really 
connect, you know, at a, at a, at a global scale that, that human health and our immune system and, you know, healthy food and, you know, uh, minerals and probiotics are essential for our human health. And I think it's now, we're, we're, we're now going to get to hopefully see the transformation of that has to start at the agricultural level, at the food production level. If we want to have uh, health as humans, um, we have to go one step. Where are we getting health? You know, we're getting health from, uh, from the, the quality of our soils and the quality of our soils come down to the quality of life in our soils, the, the microbial life, uh, the fungi, the bacteria, the protozoa, all, all this web of life that is in soil that actually allows for the, the nutrient density of what's, you know, what's in soil to be able to be able to be uptaked by, um, by the plants, which can then be uptaked by animals or by humans, depending on if we're eating plants or eating animals that ate plants. Yeah, it, it, I think it, it, there's it, there's a, a really compelling, inspiring moment where which we stand, where we find ourselves in, where to have a healthy immune system has never been more important. <laughs> yeah, right. Let alone, you know, again, I'm not going to get into the the conspiracy of why that's not, you know, front and center on all news publications that, like, you know, we need to be, you know, a healthy civilization, a healthy country to combat, you know, um, you know, infectious diseases, including COVID-19. But there is obviously smaller circles and, you know, smaller, you know, lots of smaller communication platforms that are focusing on human health as a, as a pathway to resilience. And that has to be investigated back to where our food is coming from and where our food is coming from is a byproduct of our soils. And so, you know, I think there's a really compelling opportunity to, you know, get people eating healthy food for their own individual, you know, self-centered sake of, you know, health and wellness, and but also now connecting it to a, uh, a climate change solution, which is that we can, you know, we can support farmers and who are building carbon back into their soils and actually being a, a proactive solution around um, this climate crisis that we we find ourselves in yeah it seems to be like the solution for one thing is symbiotic and is a solution for another you know like we win if we win in one area we win in all areas as opposed to right now where we get these short term maybe not even not nutrient dense ways of surviving and yeah they taste good you know like we've got processed food, sugar. I mean, I used to be a pharmaceutical rep, so, you know, I'll just apologize ahead of time to you. <laughs> but what's interesting about that is is just recognizing, like, when I was a rep, you're, of course, part of the rhetoric and the narrative of the company, right? So, yeah. you know, I went, uh, I went to university and studied finance. So, you know, I'm like part of the machine, you know, that was, uh, you eat, like, I think I'm a kid from the 80s and 90s. So, I'm a, when I was a kid, that's when fat was bad and all these different things. And when you actually go into the depths of all of that stuff, you see that fat isn't bad. You know, like you start to see all the actual truths that live below that. And I used to sell a statin. So, you know, you get more, as I started to learn 
more than just the narrative of the pharma company or the government or the media, which I'm not saying that they all lie all the time, but they just don't all tell the truth all the time. And as you were saying just now, like, why isn't the fact that no matter when, it doesn't even matter, but it just is incredibly important right now. Why is our immune system and what makes it healthy and thrive not front and center? Why is it not a conversation that we're having? Because sure, COVID is an issue, but our lifestyles are always an issue. Our nutrition is always an issue. And our lack of movement is always an issue. And, you know, as you were saying at the very beginning of the podcast, like when we don't feel in a state of wholeness, when we don't feel connected to the planet, we are in search of things to to make us feel better, sugar, you know, all the things, drugs, you know, everything. And what you're saying just really brings me back to this, like, it's, you know, when I looked at the film and you look at how governments also reimburse farmers and how they're not actually, and I don't want to speak for the film, but like in Canada too, like the way that farmers are necessarily incentivized is not to create a biodiverse, you know, take this time to change their soil. Cause what would that be? How long is the general turnover time? It's very, very context specific, region specific, but you know, you can have impacts and transformation happening in, you know, one, two, three years where you've taken pretty degraded soils and uh, are bringing you know them back to life, and yeah, you're getting to reduce your um, chemical dependencies, and yeah, and obviously in farming, in this current you know large scale conventional perspective, are the biggest some of the biggest costs um, are the you know the the fertilizers and the you know the inputs. Uh, fertilizers, insecticides, pesticides. So, um, yeah. so when you can reduce those, because you have, a, a, again, it's like so simple, right? If we have a healthy immune system and we go from like 12 pharmaceuticals to like two, you know, yeah. it's cheaper and, you know, there's more resilience over here with our body. So if we go from, you know, um, 12, you know, synthetic inputs to, you know, we're, we got our soils, uh, that are producing a lot more, um, giving a lot more to our plants. So we don't need to supplement with, uh, these additional fertilizers, you know, that we, that's, that's, that lightens, the lightens our pocketbook that, 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 um, and again, you know, the, the, you know, the principles are pretty simple, but it's, it, you know, it, the reason it's not, I mean, back to the question of, you know, why isn't everybody, you know, making this change? Obviously. There's a, there's a, a mind shift that needs to change. Um, you know, people don't change oftentimes if things are going well. So the good and bad news is that, you know, farmers have needed to get bigger and are making less money, you know, over the last, you know, um, and specifically in this country, I know over the last 15, 20 years, you know, there's been kind of a, a get big or get out mentality that's even longer than 20 years, but, but ultimately, they're becoming less and less profitable um, and needing more land, more equipment, more chemical inputs just to just to stay in the game. And so there is an opportunity to, you know, because there's, you know, the age of the, the American farmer is, is, is older and they're 
will be a transition of that land in probably the next 10, you know, 10 plus years. Um, and there is an kind of an inspiring opportunity for what will be that management practice and philosophy and worldview um, with those, with that next generation of farmers. And so, I love that. Um, you know, I think in, in the same way, in the same comparison to a lot of young um, millennials and even Gen Z employees in companies don't want to just work for, uh, you know, Nestle water, you know, extracting water and producing bad chocolate, um, exploiting, <laughs> you know, farmers and, you know, having these terrible ecological as well as humanitarian kind of footprints. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that the, the farming food sector can really be this uh, huge space of innovation entrepreneurship that sees the regenerative paradigm as like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a really fascinating context and worldview and perspective to innovate inside of. And, you know, that just really goes off to the races, everybody from, you know, farmers and, you know, ranchers on land um, to, you know, uh, packaged food companies to grocery store, you know, to the whole, the whole food space. Um, and so, you know, really, uh, you know, I, I had the, the inspiration, you know, many eight, nine years ago that somehow I was going to participate in changing the conversation and catalyzing a global message of regeneration is possible. And that's the mission of Kiss the Ground, the organization is awakening people to the possibilities of regeneration. And, uh, you know, I, I feel inspired and proud and that the film um, is doing that, you know, whether it, it missed a few notes, which I, I spoke about earlier, um, but it is uh, awakening people to a, a, a hopeful and a, a huge opportunity that um, this narrative and 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 perspective um, and way forward could provide you know humanity as um, a real clear path. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I was certainly um, revitalized by the film. I felt hope. I felt like okay, there's possibility. Like, how do I participate? How do I become part of this? And I think one thing that has been a positive influence of what's currently going on on our planet is that people want uh, really recognize the value of human connection on a higher higher level but also that they are being they don't want to live in cities as much anymore you see this mass exodus to land and if we can then learn through watching films like kiss the ground how do i begin the journey of taking this land and living off of it like to my city inner city raised brain the idea of being able to live off the land and it actually provide for me and then this be this beautiful relationship is was sort of like a desired dream, but like felt not touchable. And then through watching Kiss the Ground, I felt like a lot of hope also for the planet to be able to heal. And so, you know, I have I have so much gratitude for the mission that you're on and the work that you do and um, the way in which you go about it with such humility and, and you know, clearly by you even pointing out some of the ways that you would do the film a bit differently or things that you wanted to acknowledge that weren't in it. It shows the level of 
humility that you you make your way through the world in with and and uh so much gratitude for the mission you've been on and and i think for everyone listening i hope they are incentivized as well to go watch the film so they can feel some of this hope for humanity and we can participate in it so thank you rylan for doing what you do yeah and i'll just say you know really my i encourage uh you know i i just after living in cities los angeles san francisco for the last almost 20 years I just moved to a piece of land um, in Fillmore, California, a farm that my sister has been running to, yeah, start to create a life in relationship to, yeah, the, the rhythms of nature and the seasons and, you know, growing my own food and observing, um, you know, the, the beauty and the complexity of nature and how mm. can we have a relationship that's beneficial to our Mother Earth. Um, versus just continuing to perpetuate the uh, consumer mindset, consumer identity. Again, baby, baby steps. Um, but yeah, what what I'm what I'm hoping for is that yeah, that there is a you know one of one of the the great awakenings. You know, I think we've all in sort of health and wellness spiritual communities have like you know what what's going to be the awakening. Um, and what's that going to look like and what's the message and what's the, what is, what is, what are people awake, awake to, awoke to. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that the message of interbeing interconnection to all of life is something that we're becoming, starting to become more connected to, um, as it relates to our, you know, our whole body and, you know, where our health comes from in our bodies. Oh, it comes from the land and, oh, how is that land being treated and this idea of interconnection as a perceptual shift that could become uh, more of our adopted contemporary worldview that I think could be really, um, yeah, transformative as, as far as everything that we do, how we create businesses, how we, you know, operate our families, uh, how we, how we shop, how we speak, you know, how we think you know, just starts to become this framework of uh, understanding that could be a very, very powerful evolution in consciousness. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that Kiss the Ground continues to get to play a role in um, inviting people into the possibility of seeing ourselves as part of nature and that we can be a helpful part and that regeneration is possible. And yes, we're at the very tip of the spear as far as that idea being adopted and implemented and, you know, and, and turned from, you know, kind of an, uh, an idealism to, you know, a, a practically being lived and applied. But, um, I think it's, uh, the thing that it's worth, it's worth giving my life to. And so I'm excited mm -hmm. to, yeah, be, be doing this work and sharing this story and, you know, continuing to learn. Um, how I can be a better steward of the earth and um, of communities and, you know, honoring um, all the wisdom that has come before me and will come after me uh, that has, you know, insight and knowledge around this area of understanding. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, I'm for all the listeners, where do they find you? Where do they find the film? Uh, yeah. So you can find me at love being Ryland, uh, at love being Ryland on Instagram. I'm a love being and I love being Ryland. So it's a <laughs> That's awesome. 
And uh, actually, what's funny about that, back to thread back to the very beginning of the podcast, when you play the Abounding River board game, you create a spirit abundance name for you while you play the game. And my spirit abundance name is love being. Um, uh, uh-huh, that's love, awesome. Love is my uh, abundance word. Uh, being is my spirit word. And my name is Rylan. So um, yeah, back then. So I, that's awesome. I've rocked that on since, since, since day one on Instagram, my, my, my abounding river board game name. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. And then, uh, yeah, at kiss the ground, follow us on Instagram. Um, we've put out, you know, 60 short films over the last seven years. So check out all of our media content. We've created two educational curriculums for middle school students. So any teachers out there that want to bring the soil story curriculum into your classrooms, we have a free downloadable curriculum. Um, on our website, wow. we have an incredible, uh, if you, if you're, you know, Mark for you, we have a, a soil advocacy training course, which is a course that really trains people to be the cavalry of the voice of this movement and message. Um, and so we created a sort of a master class version course called the soil advocacy training that's available. Oh, cool. I'm going to do that. And so please check that out. And then we have a whole we have a whole farmland program where we help farmers transition to regenerative ag through scholarships that put them through technical training, uh, mentorship, and soil testing. So if people want to support farmers to transition to regenerative agriculture after you see the film and after you heard this podcast, um, please donate to Kiss the Ground um, because that's what a lot of our resources are, are going to is helping farmers make that transition um, and also paying for advocates who want to take the course who can't afford it uh, to be able to take our courses so uh yeah that's uh and then obviously uh cafe gratitude at cafe gratitude at gracias madre if you're in la check out one of our restaurants what i'll end with is uh a roomy quote which says uh love is the bridge between you and everything and uh Mm. my name my son's name is roomy and Rumi has been the inspiration, the sort of communication inspiration of man's relationship with the divine and how do we be a, a, an embodiment of the divine in the three-dimensional world and uh, kiss the ground also. Let the beauty you love be all that you do. There's hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground uh, is another Rumi quote. So mm. um, Beautiful. Yeah. And, 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 and one, one last one, just cause right there. Do my, it. Yeah, do it. Uh, start some big foolish project like Noah. Uh, so that's another, <laughs> yeah. The encouragement of, uh, you know, kiss the ground was started with a bunch of friends hanging out in my living room, uh, talking about how we can change the world and, and, and have this message be a global solution that's recognized. And, you know, that was seven years ago in a little funky apartment in Venice, California. And now there's the film in 40 countries and 25 languages. So uh, doubt, don't, don't doubt your big foolish project that's on your heart. Start enrolling uh, the people around you in your big foolish project. Because if, uh, if, it's, if it's true and it's on your heart, um, make your life about fulfilling it. So mm, amen to that. That is a great message to leave upon. Ryland, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your mission. Appreciate you and and all that you're doing in the world. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate your time and your platform and your audience and uh, your joy and all that you've um, 
yeah, all that you've given to create this moment uh, such that I could share. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you.